Before the show starts, I just want to apologize for the audio quality. Circumstances dictated that I didn't have a lot of control over the recording space. A few really great people stepped up, some of them at the 11th hour, to make sure that this episode happened, so I also want to take this opportunity to thank them. You know who you are. With disclaimers and thank yous out of the way, on with the show. Arlington police say protests Monday remain generally peaceful, but say there were, quote, several agitators. Send me another unit, please. Send me another unit. Look what you did to my store. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right, welcome back to another episode of Into the Fray. My name's Aaron, and today we're going to be talking about how to get rid of a governor. So Gavin Newsom, if you've been paying any attention, he's been doing some real interesting things. And now there is a movement to try to remove him from office. If you guys remember back in what was it? The early 2000s, I think, that we got rid of Gray Davis. So the process can be done. And one thing I found interesting, I actually ran across this last night from sfgate.com. Report, Gavin Newsom's team increasingly concerned about recall efforts. California Governor Gavin Newsom has already survived five long-shot recall attempts in his two years in office, but those close to him are reportedly worried that the current recall effort, amidst frustration over his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, could prove successful. The report states, sources close to Newsom said the governor's office has been disorganized over the past months and has not responded effectively to the damaging headlines. So in with me today, I've got some guests, two representatives from the Recall Gavin 2020 movement, and I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourselves. Hey, everyone. Um, My name is Christine Abercrombie. I am the secretary for the California Patriot Coalition, and we are sponsoring the Recall against Governor Gavin Newsom. Um, I am also the number six proponent on the actual recall form. My name is actually listed right there for you to see. And I'm one of six core group executives that are making this happen. And if I understand correctly, you wrote the petition, right? Yes, the petition was created on my laptop, which is (laughs) barely working at this point. (laughs) All right. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Stephanie Suela. I am the county coordinator for Sacramento County. So I organize um, teams. I take in calls for volunteers. I direct people to get petitions and how to get them. Um, Mainly trying to get Gavin gone. That's my mission. All right. And I'm also joined by a personal friend. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Ryan Sawyer. I'm an attorney and a small business owner. And uh, I guess I would represent sort of the average person that wants to be involved and make a difference and change the direction California is going. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. So, uh, Christine, why should people want Gavin Newsom out? If you got somebody who hasn't really followed everything that's been going on, what is it they need to know? Well, there's mind spinning amounts of reasons to get Gavin gone, but um, I'm going to give share a couple of my personal reasons. And my number one reason is his signing of AB5. This limited independent contractors from being able to do business in the state of California. And it affected 
one million Californians that were either working as independent contractors or they have small businesses that use the services of independent contractors. Um, you may have hopefully voted yes on Proposition 22 that exempted the Uber and Lyft drivers, any kind of gig drivers. And there have been exemptions. The, the uh, you know, uh, people that had the most amount of lobbying dollars got out of it, like the hairstylists and the lawyers and the physicians, or none of those people would be working right now. Mm-hmm. So it's really going down is one of the worst labor laws in history in California. And it's all because of union dollars. Union pressure. The unions wrote this for Lorena Gonzalez. Gavin signed it and it flew into chaos. So I encourage people right there to um, Google AB5 stories and you will read some heart-wrenching stories of Californians that found a way to make a living on their own. Maybe they have autistic children, they're caring for elderly parents. These are heart-wrenching stories of people that lost their livelihoods. And this was January 1st, 2020. Um, Some of my other personal reasons is what's been happening with EDD. Many things that have been happening with EDD and it's completely corrupt. Our prisoners are getting unemployment insurance (laughs) in prison, you know, due to their inept, you know, tracking capabilities. Uh, I mean, who's ever heard of the EDD closing down for weeks in the middle of a desperate situation? And many people have still not gotten their checks. So that's a big reason for me. Um, You know, let me me go back to AB5. AB5 was an interesting one for me. Now, fortunately, right before it passed, I was able to pick up a full-time job and, you know, I, I, I was okay. But up to that point, up to right before they passed that, and it just happened to be luck that I actually got a, a full-time job with a good company. But I was doing contract work. I was doing independent contract work, and that's how I supported myself, right? That's how I, that's how I was able to pay rent and eat. And had that passed maybe six months earlier than it did, um, I, I would have been on the street or living in somebody's couch. I mean, th- th- this would have been bad. And I know a lot of people ended up in a real rough situation when that passed. But go ahead. Go well, ahead. that was a big start of the exodus, you know, because those people just had to flee so they could go do business in another state. But as we know, if we continue with the Biden administration, they are going to try to do that nationwide. So that is something to fight against people, the PRO Act. So remember that you're going to hear about it. Um. One other huge reason for me is letting 20,000 criminals out of prison so they don't get COVID, okay? They are already quarantined last time I checked because they are in prison. So I don't even know what the argument is. I don't even understand it. Truthfully, I can't get my mind around why you would do that other than to cause chaos on our streets. Yeah, the the situation with criminals has become really, really interesting. I was almost certain, I can't prove it, don't have it on video, but I had a lot of evidence that there were actually, there was actually a, a dead drop, someone dealing drugs from a certain part of my residence outside, just outside a, a door of my residence. And uh, I called the police and talked to 
I think a sergeant. And what I was told was, yeah, I mean, if you can catch them, if you can, you know, if you can get them on video, if you can tell us, hey, they're here right now, we can come out there. But truth be told, not much is going to happen here. There's not much that we're actually able to do. And that was kind of a big deal. I mean, there was a lot of evidence that somebody was dealing drugs off of my residence, you know, exterior, but still. They did another thing, too. Newsom signs bill. This is from patch.com. Newsom signs bill allowing former inmates to become firefighters. Now, this one hits kind of close to home because I spent about five and a half years as a volunteer firefighter. I got my EMT. I got in with an apartment. It was a fantastic experience. And, you know, I got to work with some great guys and do some great work. I found out doing that job just how much access you have to people's personal lives, to people's personal information. I mean, oftentimes you'll find yourself alone with them in the back of an ambulance or, you know, you you just there is a lot of access that firefighters have and and they kind of have to. It's kind of the nature of the job. But there's a reason why it often takes a year, you know, six months to a year to get hired by a good department because they go through serious background checks. They go through all kinds of vetting to make sure that you are not somebody they should be keeping away from all this information and away from these vulnerable people. But let me get into the story just a little bit. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill Friday. This is obviously a little while back that will finally allow former prisoners to pursue a career in fire. Now, one thing you have to understand for listeners right now, there is a program for uh, inmates who have you know shown good behavior that they can go out on these big wildfires mm-hmm. and they are supervised but they can go out on these big wildfires and they're cutting line you know they're they're clearing brush away they're hosing down you know hot spots things like that and so they're actually involved in the wildfire side of it something to keep in mind with that they are not responding to people's homes and providing medical care they're assigned to an area, they have a supervisor, and they're doing things like cutting scrub brush and things like that. And it, it really does help. But you have to understand that's what they're doing right now as inmates. And it gives them an opportunity, obviously, to get out a bit, but to do some good too. What this bill did, right, what this law did, AB 202147, authored by Assemblywoman Eloise Gomez Reyes, allows nonviolent offenders who have logged time in fire camps while incarcerated an opportunity to have their records expunged upon release, allowing them to become firefighters. Released inmates who have successfully petitioned a judge to expunge their records and waive parole time will also have the ability to apply for an emergency medical technician's license. Now, something you have to understand, if you have a felony on your record, you cannot get your EMT license. You can't even get into the class. There is a very, very good reason why people with criminal records, why they are not allowed in the process, right? This is kind of a big deal, because think about this. This is giving criminals access to people's homes. Now, patient care records, right? You're in the back of an ambulance as an EMT, and you're transporting a patient. What information do you need? You need their full name. You need their address, their phone number. You need their insurance information. You need their social security number. Question for you, Stephanie. What was your tipping point? What was it that got you into this movement particularly? I think, um, personally, I just did not like his annex. I knew when he was elected, I knew exactly where he was taking it. So that's what got me involved. But the year before, in September of 2019, 
the Aaron Cruz recall was started. And that's where I met Christine and we all worked really hard. And once this one was developed, I decided that I would take a step up and I would make myself a lead and try to guide all these people and trying to get him gone. I think personally, mine more so is small businesses. Um, I've seen so many lives destroyed. It's just so heartbreaking. I've had families that are literally living in their cars because they cannot afford a house, plus try to keep their business afloat. Um, wow. It's just, I think when I visually see this, it's just not something that we, as the fifth largest economy in the world, should be having to deal with. We have so much homeless on the streets right now. It's very disgusting for one, but it's also very heartbreaking that nobody will step up and take care of it. And their excuse is COVID. Well, goodness, let's take care of the COVID. Let's give them masks. Let's find a place for them to stay. It's the same thing with these business owners. They don't have nowhere to go. And when I see them sleeping in their cars, it's just, I don't know, I get really emotional about it because yeah. this is not supposed to be happening in this great state of ours. And this is all caused by Gavin and his cronies, I call. Yeah, the homeless population issue is getting more and more interesting. I actually know someone, they were out walking a trail in a public area, but it was a little bit more of a secluded section of the trail. And they actually had a homeless man who came out of his tent and pointed a bow and arrow at them and drew it back. That's, I mean, that they're getting bold. And, and this is this is the kind of stuff that it's developing into. What about you, Christine? What else has he done that's, that's kind of driving this movement? Well, getting back to his nonchalant attitude and the whole kind of emboldening um, lawlessness, you know? After the George, George Floyd, you know, riots went on, I mean, let's face it. He got up and said, do what you have to do. That's what he said. I'm quoting him. Do wow. what you have to do. It wasn't stop. This isn't working. You know, he encouraged them to keep burning the cities. And those were the sm same small business owners mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Yeah, that's quite open-ended there. You know? <laughs> so it just swoops around to that. But then if we went out and protest, you know, like the lockdown or whatever. I was at the May 1st protest where everybody got arrested at the Capitol. I could have got arrested. I was up there when they rode the horses out and all the riot gear came out and all the, you know, craziness went on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so he'll send those people out and be aggressive to a lockdown protest and shame us as grandma killers you know yeah that we are acting recklessly but if you're gonna be out protesting for blm that's all righty it's just you know i don't understand the hypocrisy that these people don't see that everyone does not see so yeah. that's why everybody everybody should open their small business and call it a protest I'm doing a protest opening. I'm protesting <laughs> mm -hmm. as I open. Now, actually, getting to the hypocrisy here, I've actually got a clip here that I want to play real quick. 
So this is a part of Gavin Newsom's apology for his trip to the French Laundry restaurant, right? Yeah. The worst part about this for me, now I realize for listeners, you're listening to this on an audio podcast, you're not able to actually see his face. I really encourage you to go to YouTube and search Gavin Newsom apology. You can hear it, but you just, you have to see his face. He's trying so hard not to laugh. Let me play this. Uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car and drove back uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. You can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach and not practice. And I've done my best to do that. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. We're all human. That was his excuse, right? Yeah. I'm going to lock down an entire state and then I'm going to go to an extremely expensive restaurant with a handful of elitist friends. And, oh, you know, we're all human. You know, I think that really backfired on him because it was right at the same point he that he put out those ridiculous Thanksgiving guidelines. Mm -hmm. Sit in your backyard for two hours, eat off a paper plate between having your mask on. Right. And sanitize your bathroom for for goodness sakes, you know. So, the, you know, we're given all these ridiculous draconian rules and then... We get to see that. And God bless whoever took those pictures. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No kidding. Exactly. Well, I, I, I love if you really take the lockdown orders that he set out there seriously. Right. I, I mean, obviously, I've been following this pretty closely. But if you really take those those lockdown orders seriously, you are supposed to wear a mask while you're eating. Right. And I kid you not, there was a public service little banner thing that was that was floating around put out by the state that said, you know, wear a mask while eating, only take it off to take bites, try not to touch your mask any more than you have to. <laughs> it's just, it, you can't make this stuff up, right? So if you take them seriously, if you take them literally, you are supposed to what? You take your mask off, take a bite, put your mask back on. But wait, now you've touched your mask. So now you're supposed to go wash your hands. So you go wash your hands and you come back. And you take your mask off and you take a bite, but now you've touched your mask, so you're supposed to wash your hands. This is going to be a really long dinner. If I could just jump in on that, Aaron, as you're talking about it, I mean, how I ended up kind of becoming interested in, uh, in the Recall Gavin movement, for years, I think I found myself becoming more concerned about, well, as a small business owner, right, you have regulatory burdens, things that hoops you're jumping through and you're thinking, okay, why am I, why am I doing this? And, you know, I'm, I'm creating jobs for other people. I'm out here to help people and, and I have to do X, Y, and Z. And, and that was concerning. Then things at home, when I started to discover the things I need to, the government's permission to do at my own home. And, and again, the more I read up on little minor things that really should not, the government shouldn't be involved in. Um, I think I, I was growing more concerned and then it was with COVID coming out and with these, as you described, these these draconian uh, burdens placed upon the people, uh, like my personal situation. I have a 97-year-old grandmother who lives not far from me. And when he comes out and says, well, no, you can't visit anyone. And I know there was an exception if you were to be caring for that person, right? I think mm -hmm. that was one of the exceptions. 
But my 97-year-old grandmother, she's actually doing quite well. She doesn't need that level of care. But what she, what she said to me, she said, Ryan, I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. I don't want to spend the final, what could be the final year of my life, not seeing a single one of my children or grandchildren. And and again, now if, if anyone were to push back against it, they get labeled as being a, oh, a, yeah. a grandmother killer, as Grandma you described killer. it, right? Mm-hmm. When, no, the, the government doesn't have a place to tell me that I cannot go and visit my elderly grandmother if she wants me to be there. Let grandma make the choice for herself, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, I'm all, and, and, and don't get me wrong. If the government thinks it is their place to, to provide information, um, to make sure that people are aware of potential dangers in our society, in our communities or whatever, fine, so be it. But um, yeah, the, the restrictions on assembling with my grandmother, or in your case, as you described, uh, Christine, down at the Capitol, it, it seems just incredibly uh, ironic and concerning that the person who you're out there protesting can clear the streets so you're not allowed to protest him, right? I mean, yeah. Correct. Now, going back to what you were talking about, right? Somehow with this COVID lockdown, we went from having negative laws. You can't do this. You can't do that to positive laws. These are the things you're allowed to do. I think it was, I want to say it was back in June is when we first started getting those lists, right? Do you guys remember those lists? Here's what you are allowed to do. You could skateboard. Right. Mm -hmm. You could, you could watch. I've talked about this on the podcast before. You could watch the sunset. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me permission (laughs) to watch the sunset. Take a look at Christy Noem, governor of South Dakota. What did she do? She informed her constituency. She informed the citizens of her state. Hey, here's what's going on. Here are the recommendations that are coming from doctors. Here are the recommendations that's coming from, you know, the CDC. You need to make your own choices. You need to make wise choices. Here's the information you need to make those choices. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it really does need to be to each of us. We have to ha- be able to choose whether or not we're going to lock up our business. If you're really concerned, I mean, there are some people, I'm sure there are business owners that have, you know, a number of things. Maybe they have diabetes and obesity and some kind of autoimmune disorder all at the same time or something, right? That person may choose to close their business and that is on, you know, that's their choice. They can do that if they feel that that keeps them safer. But for people who are not in that position, they, we, all, you know, we all need to be able to make those choices for ourselves. And I think that that's something that people have lost is that government was never there to tell us how to live. Government was never there to tell us um, what we are and are not supposed to be doing. Government is there to provide a safe environment. The federal government protects us from foreign threats, but it's really there to create an environment in which we can take care of ourselves, in which we can make our own choices. And the only place where they really step in is where my choices start infringing on your rights. That, that's really where we need to get back to, and we have come a long way from that. One thing I wanted to point out, though, another thing we've kind of got going on, back in September, Bureau of Labor Statistics, unemployment in California was at 11%. 11%. And I want to put that in context for the listeners. 11%. The next time you walk out on your sidewalk, the next time you walk out on your driveway, look up and down the street, and let's just assume that you have single-income homes on your street. About every 10 houses, you have somebody who doesn't know how to pay their, their rent or their mortgage, who's not sure how they're going to provide for their kids. And if you have dual income homes, cut that in half. Now you're down to one out of every five homes. Look down your street. How many homes can you see just from your driveway? How many of those people 
are in a position where they're not sure how they're going to keep in their, stay in their home, where they're not sure how they're going to feed their children, where they're not sure how they're going to buy shoes for their kid who, whose feet are starting to scrunch up inside those shoes a little bit too much now. And so these are the kinds of things we really need to seriously consider when we're dealing with situations like this, when we're dealing with voting for politicians, when we're dealing with whether or not we are going to accept or deal with, you know, some of these, and, and frankly, edicts. I mean, these aren't even laws. These are, these are edicts, which are technically illegal. But I don't know that we necessarily want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. The old, the old uh, I can't mandate anything. You should do that clip, too, as well. Oh, I wish I had that. that. Does mm-hmm. he? Oh, my goodness. He goes, you know, I can't really mandate anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did he say that before? When, when did that come out? He said that on one of his news briefings. Oh, COVID wow. briefings, yeah. On a COVID briefing. He said mm-hmm. he can only make suggestions. He mm-hmm. can't mandate anything. Mm-hmm. So while he's mandating, he's saying he can't mandate? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, think, I think some brave reporter somewhere asked him a real question, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, that happens. So take me through the process of recalling a governor. Okay, well, we start with an intent to recall. So we got to get about 150 people together and a certain document and we all sign it and we file an intent that we want to recall. Okay. So you're becoming an organization. Yes. And that is filed with the secretary of state, Padilla and uh, his attorneys. And once that happens, then we have a certain time frame to publish to the public. Hey, We've done this and we want to do it. Anybody, I don't know what we have to publish it for, but it's part of it. So, I mean, we're right then on a shoestring, you know, we've got like two grand, you know, (laughs) we're going to recall the governor. And so we publish it in like the cheapest newspaper we can find. We'll, We'll play your game. And we get past that process. Then comes the um, actual petition uh, kind of verification that we go through to uh, actually form the petition. It has to have a bunch of, it has to have our statement. It has to have the first 10 proponents listed. It has to have the, the rebuttal from Gavin, of course. It's really funny to read now because it talks about our big budget surplus <laughs> <laughs> that went bye-bye from the time he wrote this at the beginning of the year, you know? So it has all that. And then we designed it by looking at what didn't work on the last couple. And one thing that didn't work, it was on legal size paper and you can only get three signatures on it. So it was ridiculous. So we changed that to 10 signatures on legal size paper or five signatures on letter size paper. So we got both of those petitions approved through the Secretary of State. We kind of went back and forth a lot with them. And we kind of, you know, because it was right at the beginning of COVID. So we're like, what are we going to do? You know, let's try to stall a little bit. Let's forget that period over there. It's a little bit difficult to get signatures when people aren't supposed to be getting together. Right. So we stalled a little bit and we thought, well, by the time, you know, we're getting to the end of May, it looked like it was going to start, you know phasing out. And so we went ahead and it was uh, approved on June 10th. And we have 180 days at that point to to get it done. We need 1.5 million verified signatures. So what happens is each county's registrar 
is the one that counts and reports on the petitions. So a lot of people are confused about that. They're like, oh, they're going to go to the state and Alex, but they is going to have a bonfire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it really doesn't work that way. The counties report to him the signatures they have. Okay. So that is the actual nuts and bolts process of it. And so as COVID went on, you know, we, we got a lot of signatures that we were restricted. So we went to, back to court and we got an extension for another 120 days. Now we have till May 17th to get March or excuse me. Thank March. you. March 17th. <laughs> March 17th. Okay which is St. Patty's Day. Let's just remember that to get it all done. Or leaf clover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And get, uh, really, we're trying to get 2 million signatures. Right now, we have about 850,000 signatures. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So we're past the halfway mark of what we need. And we're really starting to get that snowball effect now. We're starting to get some media. We're getting noticed. We're getting endorsed by some people. But it's been a struggle because, you know, we are six citizens that are doing this. We are not paid by anybody. We are not, you know, politicos. I've never worked on anything political in an official capacity. Mm -hmm. We're not writing a book. We're not running for office. We're not, we don't want anything except our state back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some sanity. I think most of the state is kind of there. Right we now. <laughs> are fighting for the people. So this is a people movement. It's we the people for the people. We are mm -hmm. not the Republican Party. We are not the Democrat Party. And we are getting all parties signing. 850,000 signatures. That's nothing to nothing to scoff at this quick during everything that's going on. Right. So um, we, we, can't, we used our savvy, you know? Yeah. To, to use social media, to use other ways to get the word out there so people could find us. We really are, I think, groundbreaking in that we have done a lot of it by mail. We've gotten about 175,000 signatures through the mail where people have printed off their own petition at home, filled it out, and sent it in, which is amazing. Now, this has been tried a few times. What is it? Well, let's just go back to, to the last one, maybe the last couple of them. What is it that stopped the the success of the previous attempts? I'll speak up for that. Yes, please. <laughs> they weren't well organized, number one. Okay. Um, there really was no direction. I worked on it. Um, I was very familiar when turning in the petitions to the voter registrar to wait for a receipt. Other county coordinators or volunteers was not directed to do that. Um it just didn't have the momentum. I think also she was running um, for her political seat. And then she had the doctor step in, which personally, I think is just my opinion. He was a part of Gavin party, because if you looked on his page, his donations were a thousand, twenty five hundred and five thousand. They did not want to combine together. So they had the two running. Um are you talking about there were two different uh, recall efforts going on at the same time? Yes, exactly. I, um, I can't recall the doctor's name off of off the top of my head, but he was out of Laguna Beach, and he would not go ahead and work with Aaron Cruz and make it one recall. So was so, this a different group of people? Was this a different organization? Exactly. Okay. Christine and I both worked on the recall, Gavin, se several of us. 
I can tell you many of us in this recall worked on that. Mm -hmm. um, some of them haven't. They probably are burnt out. But we have a mission. And so Oren Heaton, our um, main lead, he's the one that worked with also with Aaron Cruz. He decided to create this recall, Gavin, 2020. And with all the other people like Christine, because she's the one that did the petition, we were able to get this approved. And now this one, I will tell you, we are well organized. Um, we have, like she said, we can print out the petition so we can direct people. Um, people are going out of their way like me. Um, when they say on any county site, I don't have a printer, we'll mail it to them. I mean, I am such on a mission to get him gone. And I think all of us county coordinators are not just our executive team. They're wonderful. Anything that we need or any questions that we have, we are given those answers. So we really are a team. We really work as a team. Now, the, the, your website says that the last attempt, and correct me if I got this wrong, but had a 25% disqualification rate on, the la the, the, on this last attempt. Because okay. one out of every four signatures was disqualified. The reason why there was no verification on this one, we have a verifying company, the same one that did Gray Davis. So there's no way for us to fail on this. Okay. That's why he is kind of scared in his last little comment. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't mm -hmm. know if he said it, but it was his staff. Oh, we're getting scared. Well, good. <laughs> As she was mentioning it, Stephanie, you were talking about how well organized it is. And I know just from being a normal, you know, layman intrigued by what this recall effort was. I, I, I looked you guys up online and went to recallgavin2020.com. And I started going through the website, and that's mm -hmm. what struck me is that I, I could see that, oh, no, because I, I didn't really want to waste my time, to be very candid, on something that was just a fly-by-night thing in passing. And, yeah. and so I, when I realized that things were organized by county and everything they had set up, I was really impressed by that. And that's what actually got me more intrigued right. and, uh, and to find out more about it. But then I noticed, yeah, when I went to, I'm kind of a news junkie, mm -hmm. and I thought, well, let me look up these people a little bit more online. And I start searching through Google News or whatever, and it was like crickets. I, I, this was back in, I guess, maybe August or so of last year. Mm -hmm. And there just was hardly anything I could find when I was intentionally digging for information about this movement. And, um, and uh, Christine, I was kind of curious to know, why is that? Or what's been your experience in trying to get the word out about this? I feel like in the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to see it pop up in the news. Is there any particular well, I reason? Mean, or, yeah, what, mainstream media is in Camp Gavin, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but if you'll notice, like the B is really starting to like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> Just recently. Different, you know, different newspapers that are out there are really starting. I mean, I never thought I'd see like the San Francisco Chronicle and the L.A. Times bash Gavin. And I've seen it several times lately. And I'm just like, oh, ah, you know, continue, please. But will they say our name recall Gavin 2020.com? <laughs> not yet <laughs> not not yet but they're going to be forced to soon yeah. you know i mean there's no denying it and no. it, it, it is a, we are doing this as a shot across the bow okay for the nation the nation does not want to turn into california they are watching we get donations from all over the country yeah and and any listeners listening from outside of california i mean if you're if you're listening from New York or Michigan or any any of these states where things are not going well, 
keep in mind, most places, this is an option. This is something that can be done. Yep. And I want to point out, too, one of my other main reasons I have written down here is Gavin will be running for president in 2024 if we do not do something right now. It's already in the books. It's already in the works. His, mm-hmm. So there's pa- there's paperwork on the this URL is already yes. bought wow. up. The merch is already going in. See when governor when you know. Governor Brown was reelected, I knew that Gavin Newsom was going to be our next governor. Mm-hmm. It was inevitable. And the way things are going, I mean, it, it's hard to say what's going to happen with national politics over the next who knows weeks or months or or whatever. But yeah, I mean, Gavin Newsom is definitely a force to be reckoned with. But if we can take him out of his position now. I think that that pretty well eliminates any shot he has at the presidency. If he gets recalled from California, I don't think he has any shot at the presidency. And that may be the biggest reason to really fight for this recall movement. Exactly. I mean, President Gavin does not sound good to me. (laughs) No, I mean, Gray Davis, Gray Davis was not a fantastic governor. He really wasn't. But looking back, Gray Davis was nothing next to Gavin Newsom, right? And imagine Gavin Newsom in the White House, having the authority that the president has. I mean, that look at look at what we're afraid that Biden's going to do. Imagine someone young and I don't want to say on a mission, but, you know, he, he's, he's definitely got his goals. I, I don't know. I've just come to the cl- conclusion he's a Marxist and that is it. You know, he wants to turn us into a socialist state. He wants to control us and... My hashtag is we're not serfs, okay? Because I, I, you are not my king. Last time I checked, you work for me. Yeah. No. And people have forgotten that these people work for us. Yeah. Why are we allowing this? Any of it? Yeah. People forget that we are a republic. Now I got a question for you. As far as let's say that there are enough signatures collected, what happens then, right? Because I think a lot of people were thinking, okay. Well, you know, if we needed to to have an election on this, then, you know, you know, we've got the election coming up. Well, that's passed. So at this point, how does this roll out if we end up actually getting this thing through? So if we get enough um, signatures, a special election is called. Okay. It's there's only like a month waiting period. And then a special election will be called. And it's a two part special election. It's a yes, no. Get rid of Gavin. Keep Gavin. If it's a get rid of Gavin, a new uh, governor is elected immediately and he is out like that day. Oh, wow. Okay. There's okay. no in between. There's like. So, wait, wait. Is this, is this all going to be on the same ballot? Like, it's somebody's on the already... same ballot. Okay. Okay. So, this is this is not going to be okay. We've decided to recall Gavin. Then we have and, another election. No. It's and now, one now of... he knows he has nothing to lose for the next three months. Is somebody... no. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's like out that day. Okay. I, I've had some friends when I've mentioned this to them, uh, their response is, well, come on, Ryan. I mean, it's California. Like, you think we're getting anything better than than Gavin? I mean, that's just kind of the way that people vote here and what's going to change. And, and my response to them has been, well, look, I'm not particularly concerned about who the political party is that comes in after him, as long as whoever that person is knows th- that the people won't let you cross certain lines, right? You infringe yeah. on liberties enough, and there's going to be pushback, mm-hmm. which so regardless of if, if it comes in, if a Democrat follows him or if a Republican or something else, whoever it is, they know that the people have rights that you shouldn't infringe upon if you want to keep your political career. And unfortunately, right. that's all that politicians yeah. usually care about right. is their political it, career. So, mm. I mean, so I'm hopeful in that way that, yeah, when, if he's if, it's a if, major shot across the bow. Yeah. yeah. It's like we're not taking this crap anymore, you know. 
And I want everybody that's listening right now to understand we are just citizens. We are average Californians. We love our state. We love our country. And we got this far. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We got this far by using our savvy and our tenacity and not giving up and doing something you have to activate. So if you're right home, you know, you're on your computer, you're rage texting with your friends about how much (laughs) you hate it. Go to a protest, sign the petition, do something, write letters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something I talked about on my podcast last week was um, we need accountability here. Like we've got a lot of politicians who are getting very, very comfortable and they're getting comfortable enough that they're starting to, you know, not starting. They've been doing this for a long time, but they're working together to support each other in their positions, in their politics, and and in keeping themselves, each other, in office. And yeah, I mean, like you were saying, Ryan, this is a huge step in showing that we, the people, are going to hold our representatives accountable. And there are repercussions for the abuses that they're perpetrating. Now, I got a question, and I'm not sure which one of you would be the best to answer this, but if someone wanted to sign the petition today, tomorrow, where, where are they going? How do they do this? Because I'll tell you, my first exposure to Recall Gavin 2020 was on a major street, right? Three lanes in either direction, probably about 45 miles an hour. <laughs> and I come up and I see this sign that says RecallGavin2020.com. And I'm like looking over and I see a bunch of people with a table as I'm blowing by at 45 miles an hour and the amount of traffic, I'm just like, "Mm, yeah, and I'm not going to make it back there. Now, thankfully, I knew Ryan. And so I was able to sort that out. You know, I was able to to uh, to sign the petition there. But it's not always necessarily the easiest thing to be able to figure out where to go, because I was actually wondering for a couple of weeks after that, okay, how do I find this? Because I actually couldn't remember the website on the sign. It was just a blur as I went by. So where do people go? I'll take that. Okay. First of all, on our website, it's very easy to find a permanent signing location by county. So you just go there, you look, and you'll find a permanent signing. So they can go directly to that business and sign. That is taken care of. Second of all, you can also join the recallgavin2020.com and join your county site. And then you'll find up the pop-up locations, especially in any county that you're in. We also... When you join that, you'll see events posted. So right away, they'll know, let's say, for example, here in Sacramento, yesterday there was an event in Folsom, yesterday there was an event in Citrus Heights. So whoever is closest, they can go to that. We have also people that just post on the regular page just saying, I don't have a printer. A lot of us will step up and mail out petitions to them. And if they want you to mail a petition to them, how do they do that? They can actually request a petition. When they go to download the petition, there's a little link. Like if you don't have a printer, request a petition, and they can do that that way. Okay, so then they fill out name yeah. and address, and then you send it to right. them? And so the other way is they can do it at home. You can just, if you do have a printer, you can just download the petition. Uh, also, please download the instructions and read that. Yes. Very important. There's about 10 bullet points. And if you spend the two minutes to read that, it will walk you through how to do it and where to return it to. Yeah. Keep in mind for listeners, um, if you're if you're jumping on the website right now, if you're looking for this right now, keep in mind, these are, correct me if I'm wrong, 
These are basically legal documents. They have to be done right. Correct. Right. There are rules by which, you know, there, there are rules. There's ways that these things have to be done. So, um, yeah. Okay. Read the bullet points. Make sure that you hit those steps. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like voting. Right. If you get your if you get your mail in ballot wrong, if you get your absentee ballot wrong, it gets disqualified. Uh, same thing can happen with these signatures. So we want to you want to make sure that, uh, that you get this right. Well, the really awkward thing that people struggle with is if they're just signing themselves, they, you know, they're at home and they print it out and they sign. They're like, why do I have to fill out this bottom part? They're basically witnessing their own signature. Yes, gotcha. you are. And it's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, you have That's to the process. <laughs> so it's basically signing twice but if you read the instructions that's what you have to do that a witness has to sign off on the bottom part even if it's yourself okay i'd like to throw in also if somebody's going to print out the petitions online you don't have to just do your signature you can go to your neighbors you can ask your family and your friends you know this is a grassroots movement we're all volunteers we need everyone's help but they also we have found out a lot of people are printing them out and mailing it to our mailroom so that oh. is fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. We've gotten over 50,000 pieces of mail already. Wow. Wow. Now, um, Stephanie, this is probably a good question for you. You work pretty closely with most of the volunteers. Yes. If someone actually wanted to get involved, what are the options? What, what, what can they do? First of all, they can go on our website and they can sign up as a volunteer. It just asks us the pertinent questions or their phone number and email address. And then we make contact that way. If not, just like out at the signing places, there's a lot of people that stop that want to sign the petitions. And we have literally on each table a volunteer list. And some people are better than others. I have some that gets five volunteers every single day. Another one might only get one. But we got them stepping up to the plate. That French laundry, Gavin, (laughs) literally cut his own throat. I have gotten so many volunteers now. It's it's amazing. And what do the volunteers actually do? Okay, they have a choice in gathering signatures, coming out to one of the booths, or going to door to door, or just carrying it around in their shopping cart or wherever. Um, or they can do phone calls. Um, we also have where we're going to do door to door stuffing, and we're going to be putting them on people's doors so they can help that way. And then other, I mean, there's a lot of things that people can do they just need to call and where we need them we'll put them okay now or you can go rogue and be a lone wolf yeah exactly just (laughs) mail us a big envelope full of signatures because you don't even need us everything you need is on the website there's instructions on how to do it Oh, so you're saying go talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors. Yeah, you can do this all by yourself. Take petitions to them for them to sign, make sure they get everything right, and then just mail it to you? Yep. All right. Now, I know that it takes a fair amount of money to get these processes through, right? Now, I know know you're volunteers. You get a lot of volunteers, but there's still things that have to be paid for. The lights have to stay on. So if anybody's out there and they're thinking, you know what? I really want to support this. Where do they go? They go to RecallGavin2020.com. There's a place there where they can donate. Even a little bit of donation would help greatly. So if anybody could do and donate today, we'd truly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if you can drop a big chunk of change, that's a huge help. But keep in mind, I mean, 850,000 people have signed this so far. Mm. I mean, if half of them donated a dollar, imagine what would come of that, right? So don't underestimate the power of small donations, that little bit that you can spare. Now, 
If you have lost your job because of the COVID lockdowns and you're not sure how you're going to feed your family, you know what? Don't worry about it. But if you're doing okay, you might be able to do some real good there. It'd be great. And all of that money goes straight to the recall. None of us are getting paid. We're all volunteers. So that goes strictly to nuts and bolts of making it happen. All right. Great. Uh, there's a couple of things that I want to hit here. It's it's more than just, uh, there, there's more to it than just what we've talked about. There's infinitely more. But we've kind of run into a situation now where we've got a convergence of so many problems. I mean, we're, we're, we're living rules for thee, but not for me. Elon Musk, I mean, take a look at the number of businesses that have fled California. The state can only, the state cannot sustain itself without businesses, without these small businesses, without these large businesses. Elon Musk, I mean, he's a huge huge business, right? He's got Tesla. He's got SpaceX. He just said, you know what? Sorry, California. I I, I just can't keep doing this. Bye-bye. And he went to Texas. That was huge. That was a lot of jobs. That was a lot of business. That was a lot of livelihoods, right? And I'm really hoping, I don't really know a lot of the story behind that move, but I'm really hoping that a lot of his employees were able to go with him because honestly, that's, that is a lot of people out of work. Um, Yuba County, uh, Yuba and Sutter, they really started to push back. There's an article here from capradio.org. If you're not familiar with Cap Radio, it's a public radio station out of Sacramento. And they had an article on their website, California threatens to revoke licenses of reopened Yuba and Sutter County businesses. Now, what you have to understand is that when this was published, Yuba and Sutter County had nothing going on, okay? Their, their infection rate was basically nothing. And they were running into some serious, serious issues. Let me read a little bit of this. Yuba Sutter Health Officer Dr. Huang Lu has said that she worried people would reach the point where they had to choose between medicine or food. Smith said it appears that time is now. This is how far the lockdowns have pushed, right? And we're not talking about COVID medicine. We're talking about medicine. If you have diabetes, are you going to get your insulin or are you going to get the food? is you're going to have problems without both. And so we've really pushed people to a, to the breaking point. And I think a lot of people, probably a lot of my listeners, are probably sitting back thinking, well, you know, me and my friends are fine. But a lot of the times we kind of tend to run in circles that are similar to us. And we don't necessarily see the suffering. We don't necessarily see the people who have been out of work for six, eight, ten months now and have no idea how they're going to keep going. You know, we don't see the grandma who's sitting alone in her home wondering if she's going to get to see her grandchildren again before she dies. We don't see, you know, we don't see all of these people who are really are in a bad place right now. Uh, let me continue with this article a little bit. Amy Myers rents a space at the Broken Bristle Salon and Spa in Yuba City. She says she has received notice from the State Board of Barbering and Cosmetology that there would be a punishment if she were to resume practice. The California Department of Consumer Affairs said it could not make any of its six public information staffers available for an interview, but it did release a statement that says, in part, while we cannot discuss specific issues, businesses that continue to put public health and safety at risk by not complying with the shelter-in-place order may be subject to disciplinary actions from the BBC, the State Board of Barbering and Cosmetology. Okay? They're threatening people's livelihoods. They're threatening their ability to feed their children, to buy the medicine that keeps them alive. At the Happy Viking Bar and Restaurant, the bar is still closed to alcohol sales inside and will stay that way if the owners want to keep their liquor license. This is where we're at, right? And it's only going to continue to get worse. Here's a good example. 
Oregon or Washington. I don't remember. There is an autonomous zone being built up right now. And I want to say it's Portland. But there's a family who lost their income because of the lockdowns. So they couldn't pay their mortgage. But once they couldn't pay their mortgage, then of course, evictions come around. So they're being evicted from their home. And they have, they're going to have no place to live. Now, thankfully, some people stepped up. But this is one case. And we can't solve all these cases just by you know having people throw money at it. But they were going to be evicted from their home because they lost their employment. They lost their employment because the state said, you don't have a job anymore. That's a big deal. And keep in mind, remember, and I've said this over and over before, you can't, you can't just hope that they come for you last. You can't just hope that this will never find you. Just because it's not happening to you right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen to you tomorrow or next week. Now, if there's anything you want to leave the listeners with, what, what is it? I, I want to read uh, this post. It's a reply to Gavin Newsom. It was on his Twitter. I found it on his Twitter as a reply. And it says, Gavin, help. I can't be out of work, but my job has been shut down since March. My 200 bucks a week isn't cutting it. Now I live in a tent under a bridge in Los Angeles. Do something. My babies are starving. So that's what I want to leave you with. RecallGavin2020.com. Make it happen because we all need it. All right. You know what? I think that is a good place to end this. I'll see you next week. Be informed. Stay safe. Don't do anything stupid. Mm -hmm.